And let me tell you a little bit about what I'm seeing right now. Not only do we see uh, an, an exotic array of species in this diner, but if I, as I look out across the sky, I see some of the most beautiful planets, galaxies, and stars you'll ever see from this perspective. You really got to come join us here sometime. We uh, us, by the way, Don and Miles should be along any moment. We gather here almost weekly to talk about television shows we're watching and movies we're watching that we're interested in and our commentary about some of the latest gossip and news, all related to the science fiction world that we all know and love. Anyways, uh, I ordered my steak and I'm waiting because I'm just absolutely hungry and I just can't wait. And I think that it's coming out of the kitchen right now. Here comes my server. Yes? Oh, you want to cut my steak for me? Ah, sure, go ahead. What? Ah, no! Ah! Welcome to Dining at the End of the Universe, where we serve up all sorts of spicy conversations off the latest menu of science fiction movies and television shows. You can find Dining at the End of the Universe at diningattheendoftheuniverse.com. You can also find us on iTunes. We look forward to seeing you at the diner. All right, welcome to Dining at the End of the Universe, the podcast about all things sci-fi where we serve up... Well, you heard the intro. I don't need to really mention that again. The, the intro is new. It's a bumper that I actually recorded for another podcast. So if you're listening to the Podcasters Emporium, done by none other than Williams and the Rooster, I call him, uh, out of Australia, you may hear our bumper on that show, our little promo for this show on that. So I just started out the show with that. Um, tonight with me is... Good evening. This is Miles P. McLaughlin. Yeah, there you go. And uh, my name is Scott, and we are your diners for this show. We tried to con and we tried to con Don into showing up, but eh, whatever. He decided to go eat with his parents, family. What the heck is going? on? I know priorities, priorities, right? He doesn't have his in order. I'll show That's you. for sure. Tonight, the big on the agenda is, of course, the Battlestar finale. But we do have some news we're going to share ahead of that. And just talk a little bit about the show in general and about the direction and some things we like to hear from you guys regarding this show. Um, we're going to start off first with a listener voicemail, and um, and we'll go from there. So this is from Wayne. Wayne, if you if you are a Fringe fanatic, you really have got to check out Wayne and Dan's take on the Fringe. It is a well produced podcast. It's certainly a show that is worth checking out, and he does a few other podcasts as well. So you'll hear him talk and just talk about our show a little bit right here. Thanks, Wayne. Hey, Scott, Don, Miles, anybody and everybody involved with the Dining at the End of the Universe podcast. This is Wayne Henderson from the VoiceOver Journey podcast and some others as well. Just wanted to call you know, and join your show. Uh, just heard the one about Battlestar Galactica, and I noticed that already downloading one about a new Star Wars uh, this is all good stuff, and also in honor of the Show Your Podcaster Some Love Thursdays that uh, I've tweeted about on Twitter and Facebook, since I enjoy your podcast, left you a positive review in iTunes, and I just want to urge all the listeners of the Dining at the End of the Universe podcast that are enjoying the show, take a few minutes, go into iTunes, and leave these guys a positive review. They greatly appreciate it, at least I know I do, so you guys have a great day. Looking forward to the next episode. This is Wayne. Thanks. Bye. All right. Thanks a lot, Wayne, for calling in. We really appreciate the feedback, and we would appreciate anyone's feedback, of course, that would call in and uh, give us your thoughts, not just about our show, but maybe about the things that we're talking about. Anything would really be awesome when we do play those on the air. And we will also read email comments on the air as well. So you can email or call us. By the way, the phone number to call us is 206-600-4824. And you can email us at zogpod at gmail.com. That's Z-O-G-P-O-G. Huh, yeah, I can speak here. Z-O-G-P-O-D at gmail.com. And we would love to hear from you. And we aren't just looking for like positive reviews here. We really want to hear from you. If, if you think we could be doing something differently, uh, if you think we can be uh, 
oh, I don't know, uh, having a different format. You want us to focus on some other shows that we aren't talking about that you really want to give credence to. Uh, we may not watch them, but we'll, we might talk about them and pretend we know what we're talking about at least. Right, Miles? Absolutely. And uh, so we'll see what happens. Uh, we definitely would love you to leave a, a review for us on iTunes. But uh, more importantly, we just want to hear from you. One other note about the show. Our shows are done in the ACC and MP3 format. The ACC format allows us to do an enhanced podcast. And what's awesome about this, for those of you that are listening on iPods or iPhones or iTouches, uh, is that if you use these devices, you can actually skip especially through the news stories, to the next news story. If we're talking about something eh, you don't really care about, it, it enables you even to skip to our main topic, like tonight you'll be able to skip to the Battlestar finale if you could care less about the news we're talking about. And so we want just want you to know that that option is there. If you're in MP3 format, sorry, no luxury there, but if you're in the ACC format, you should be good. And uh, I believe that's it. And we also just want your opinion on something. We're considering flipping the news to the end. A lot of shows do it at the beginning. We don't know whether you really care about the news or not. Uh, we're still going to do a news segment either way. But do you want it at the beginning or the end? We would love to hear from you. So please let us know. Well, Miles, we had some trivia last week. Okay. Let's start off with that trivia. We didn't really announce it very well in the podcast, but we had some at the very end. And... Uh, why don't you go first with the trivia question you presented? Okay. I, um, if anybody has the Star Wars uh, Trivial Pursuit game, maybe you've heard this question. Hey, uh, you're giving away your sources. Uh, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> uh, I asked, who is the actor that played the Chief Ugnut in The Empire Strikes Back? And the answer was? Jack. Waiting, waiting, waiting. Go ahead. Jack Purvis. I thought you were going to say Jack Sparrow. <laughs> no, Jack Purvis did. Yes, because uh, obviously, well... You, Whoever played, you know, he was a little person there. All, all the Ugnats were little, you know, right. uh, dwarves uh, playing okay. those parts. But, yep, that was the actor. I mean, again, you'd have to be a real, you know, Star Trek geek to know that or have or have had to play the Star Wars trivia game yeah. and then come across the question. Star Trek again. Star Trek. Uh, he's, he's truly a Trekkie at heart. I am, and, it, and it's coming out, you know. But. I love Star Wars. Don't get me wrong. But um, probably my first, true love on that one is, is Star Trek. <laughs> no, so, which is perfectly fine. We'll, we'll twist all things around. The, this, the trivia question I, I gave, and we did get some response back in this one, was who was the first person in Star Wars A New Hope, that's episode four, or episode one in the original trilogy, who was the first person to say, I have a bad feeling about this? And we got all sorts of answers. We got uh, Princess Leia. We got C-3PO. Oh, I have no I owe Han Solo, which is the obvious one because the line is typically attributed to him right that's that was my first guess yeah and uh however it is luke skywalker as they're exiting out of hyperspace and they get into that little asteroid field the remnants of alderaan and they see the death star there in the distance uh that is his first comment the c-3po comment someone mentioned that it was c-3po and i went back and watched a scene on tantive 4 which is where he would have said it and he says uh, uh i think i'm going to regret this when he's getting in the escape pod but, that, but that's a comment there. But whatever. Uh, one person got it right, and it was Mr. Tim Crossy. Congratulations, uh, so, Mr. Crossy. Yes. So we give you... Um, um, nothing. Yeah, nothing. But but praise, honor, and official geek, geekiness. So the fact that you know that is maybe sad. I don't know. But the, the fact that we know it is sad maybe too. But Hey, we know what we are, okay? Yeah, and we are comfortable with that. Yes. And uh, the other uh, trivia given by Don last week was he was he was looking for someone to call in and speak uh, recite Guido's speech uh, with Han Solo there in the cantina in episode four of Star Wars: A New Hope. No one did. So the challenge is out there. Can you speak like Guido? We want to hear from you. Give us a call. All right, and there, there will be more trivia at the end. Is that what we need to say yet? Yes, we will right. have another trivia question. There will be more trivia. We'll probably try to do maybe just one question this time rather than a gazillion, although the Guido challenge still stands. And we'll do that at the end, so if you want to hit the trivia and skip the rest of this, just flash forward to the end. We'll get there. Um, all right, well, uh, I think we're going to go into news next, right? Yes. Well, let's head on to news.
in today's sci-fi news. Okay, news. Let's go up to the bar and get our news, see what the bartender has to say. Tell me about... Do you, you don't watch Lost, do you? I, I do not. Uh, I, that's something I'll watch later. Is, there's just too much stuff out there. Oh, absolutely. Once uh, our plethora of sci-fi shows uh, maybe relaxes this summer a little bit, we will uh, get into Lost a little bit. I have not watched Lost either, and that right now there's a thousand and one uh, Lost fans cringing and, and crying out However, quickly. we do have some news for you. Yeah, some news. It is rare when any show has a writer or writers that admit they have messed up the timeline. But Lost writers uh, recently, according to the Sci-Fi Scoop, admitted that they screwed up the timeline. Sorry, Lost fans. Uh, How are they going to remedy this? Well, if you want to know more, you can look up the story. But we just wanted to point it out that there are some writers that are honest. Any thoughts on this? Now, did they... um There's many sci-fi shows are guilty of some kind of revision. Either they're not paying attention to the continuity of the uh, and the flow of the show, and so they do something in another show that kind of contradicts what happened in another show. Um, Do they shift gears in what they were doing, or um, was this purposeful revision, or was this honestly they just you know it was a mistake on their part? They weren't even. That is a great question. You would think that writers are paying attention to the chronology of their show, right? Right. Um, but the, the, the headline, and I didn't read the article real closely, says that the, that lost executive producers. It wasn't just the writers. The producers admitted that they screwed up the timeline. Okay. So that was the way it was worded, and it didn't sound like they were like suddenly heading a different direction. It sounded like that this was a mess up. Okay. And uh, somehow they're going to need a remedy of this, okay. which, of course, results in some creative writing, some creative scripting, or something like that. So this might not be a bad thing after all. No, uh, certainly not. Anyways, if you want to know more about this story, I would visit the Sci-Fi <coughs> Scoop. Uh, just type that into Google, and you can find out more about that story. But next story. Go ahead, Miles. Okay, well, um, if you remember the Phantom comic strip in the newspapers, uh, it looks like the Sci-Fi Channel is going to do a miniseries based on the Phantom. And That's right. It was in the newspapers, wasn't it? I forgot all about that. Right. And uh, it's been a while, about 10, 15 years ago, there was actually a live-action Phantom movie. I think it was Billy, I think it was Billy Zane who, who played the part of the Phantom. Oh, wow. That is going back. I yeah. don't remember that. You yeah. watched it? I saw it. It was a, it was a bad film. It was a, it was pretty good for, for its time. And you could also see... Uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones uh, have a small part in the movie before she make it big. Now, so is this a reimagining of it, you think? I mean, we, I didn't read the article that closely again. I'm really admitting my negligence here. But. That I don't. I'll have to check. Because uh, um, the Phantom timeline, I believe, it takes place in the 40s. Um, and that's where the movie took place because that's, I believe, what the comic strips sort of did. Yeah. So I'll be curious what timeline they, they follow here. If this is a reimagining, it will take place in modern day or... Um, maybe it took place uh, back in the 40s. Whatever the case, they announced that they're doing it on the Sci-Fi Channel, which can be good or bad, right. depending on what they do. Right. Uh, Sci-Fi, of course, has had some very good miniseries. And this uh, is going to coincide with a Phantom feature film. Okay. So, Phantom fans, you should be happy here, coming up. Now, we don't know whether this, when they say a feature film, we don't know if this is a Sci-Fi film yet, or if this is... I assume by the title that they're talking about this major release. It sounds like it would be for the big screen. That's what my guess is. Christopher Eccleson, I believe is his name. Is that how you pronounce the last name? I think. Uh, Eccleson. uh, Returns to the Heroes finale. Now, in case you do not know who this man is, he is the first Doctor Who in the newest incarnation of the Doctor Who series. And he is also the Invisible Man. And what was it, season one or early in season two, he appeared for a few episodes. And he used to work with the company. Well, he is back. So we are excited about that for the Heroes finale. So we are looking to see how they bring him in. I liked his character, so uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him back. Oh, yeah. And by the way, just talking about Heroes, we loved this past week's episode. We yeah. aren't going to talk about it too much later on, but... It was a fantastic episode. Um, probably the best I've seen in a while. And this is... This has been a good season for the most part. Which, by the way, the guy that wrote that episode, yes, writer from season one. 
Oh, okay. He 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 left Heroes. He was he was uh, writing on what Pushing Up Daisies or something. Is that what that show was called? Mm-hmm. Uh, he was writing for that, and they got him back. And he did. This is his first episode, and you saw some really nice uh, hero action. I mean, it's called Heroes, but sometimes you don't see much of their superpowers. But every single hero used their superpower. And there's some really good uh, hero and Ando moments. Oh yeah, awesome. And uh, not to mention, we now know who the Rebel is. Yes, which we, which we kind of knew all. We along. suspected. Yeah. We suspect there were a couple players in there, but he was one of the top choices, in my opinion. Yeah, I to bring no to bring Micah, yep. Micah in. So if you haven't watched Heroes, eh, some spoilers. But if you haven't watched it by now, it's a week old. So deal with it. Deal with it. Yep. Um, so, anyways, that's Hero News, and we love it. And we are going to talk two more too much more about it, but uh, we might next week. We'll see. The news. If you are a Eureka fan, did you ever watch Eureka? No. Again, there's just too many shows to watch. Again, right now. someone recommended it to me. I believe it was Steve recommended it to me, and he's a huge Eureka fan. So this news is going to make him happy. I think when we originally announced the Eureka news earlier, we said April, but it's almost April. It's not coming out then. In fact, the announcement was made that Eureka is due out. Three point Eureka three point five. So the second half of season three, it sounds like is due out July. So that's good news if you're a Eureka fan. They've had three seasons already. I that's what they said. Well, yeah, that's at least what this news article said. Assuming you can trust hmm. the the web, because everything on the web is true. Of course, I believe it. You could believe everything on the web. Yeah. yeah. In other sci-fi fantasy news, Twilight DVD. Go ahead. Um, it has sold three million copies in its first day. Its and first day. That is a record, I believe. Yes, and. Uh, my wife is a big fan of the Twilight books. Uh, I believe she's read all of them. She hasn't seen the movie yet, but um, she'll be happy to know that she's a big fan of Twilight. Yeah. Have you read any of the Twilight books? No, I have not. Yeah. Uh, I have had students, both uh, both male and female, read it. Read it. it tends to be more of a female-oriented book, mm-hmm. but I have some guys that read it that are male enough to say, hey, you know, we like this series. So I think that's kind of cool. But the cool thing about Twilight is the success of it has released a plethora of other sci-fi and fantasy movies that are coming out geared toward young adults. And that's kind of cool. We're getting a new generation into science fiction and fantasy. Yeah, so keep the genre going. And yep, keep the genre alive. And I think this lady who wrote it, I don't believe she was a professional writer to begin with. It. So this was, you know, if you have a dream to write a book... Um, you know, write it. I mean, you, you don't. You, it, you, you know, never know. You never know. I, this this lady didn't know this would be this this huge. So, uh, and talk about huge. Those books are not thin books. No, they're very. Thin. I, I have I have some tenth graders that are you know wading through a seven hundred page book. When I was in high school, there's I read. I was a I was a heavy reader, but my books were like two three hundred pages long. Right. I looked at a you know six hundred page book and said I'm not picking that up. <laughs> you know, but even though I even though I love to read, so I don't know, kind of interesting. And uh, we're going to end our news section here with a little bit of Battlestar news, and uh, and then that'll lead into our next segment here. I don't know how important this is, but Battlestar Galactica's Mary McDonald, she played the president. What was her name? Uh, uh, Laura Roslin. Yeah, Laura Roslin. Thank you. Uh, I should have known. I just, we watched, just watched it a second ago. Yes. Laura Roslin said that she saw hope in the series end. We'll have to talk about whether we agree with that. Oh, do we agree with that? Well, I, I listened to the... Um Ron Moore's podcast. Ron D. Moore. Ron D. Moore. And uh, he, he, he has mentioned that he, his show has always been accused, <coughs> excuse me, of um, being um, too dark, uh, nihilistic. And he never felt it was that way. I mean, it did show the ugliness of their situation, the ugliness of the war. Uh, but um, he felt that, you know, there were, were um, moments of hope there. And, you, and I think the way he ended the series, he felt it was. Uh, it was uplifting, mm-hmm. um, so um, so I, I, yeah, I could I could possibly see. I mean, there there was some optimism when, uh, and if you've you should have seen the show by now. It was it was last Friday. Scott and I just watched it again. Um, so if you haven't seen it, too bad. Or, yeah, we're going to spoil it for you. Yeah. So if you don't want to spoil, stop listening to this episode and come back and listen to it when you've watched it. Yes, but um, but at the end, you know when when. When the the humans land on the planet, Cylons land on the planet. Uh, they're, they they seem very hopeful of the way things are. And uh, it's this beautiful world that they're in. It's right, it's nice. pristine. Right. It's and so uh, and they give up a lot. They decide to give up a lot at the end. Uh, so they you know they, it, it, it just seems like a, a brand a, a, a clean slate, a break for them. Right. Well, 
I think the rest of the news we should just wait because it's going to tie into everything else we talk about regarding okay. Paddlestar Galactica. So, okay. all right. So we're going to go on to our main show. Talking about, well, I guess we haven't really left, have we? Not really. But uh, anyways, hope you enjoyed that little piece of uh, Cylon or Battlestar music that I put in between there. Uh, let's talk about the season finale. And the way we want to structure this, Miles and I were talking, we want to structure this by talking about the things that we loved and some things that we weren't so crazy about and uh, some questions that we had. So somewhere in that format, we're going to start with positive and with some other stuff. So... Um, do you want to get us started? Um, sure. Um, I, I thought the first hour was incredible. Um, the, the visual effects, the battle scenes, um, they just, um, the, obviously, um, they spent a lot of money to make these look really good. But uh, this was just really good visual effects. Um, the battle scenes inside, when you've seen um, um, the, 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 the humans and the humans and the rebel Cylons fighting together against the Cylons. Um, and you saw um, the Centurions fighting with them also. And if you notice, they painted their chests red just so they could tell you know, who was who. But what I really liked, being a fan of the old show, was they brought back the original series Cylons fighting alongside the, um, the new series Cylons. And um, obviously they were CGI because, one, they were a lot taller and uh, they moved a lot faster. Although you did think they still looked a little clunky from... Uh, yeah, they, they looked a little bit clunky, but, I, you know, I liked it overall. The effects, obviously, we mentioned one of the differences between the original Centurions, Centurions yeah. and, and these were, of course, that the first ones were done by actual humans inside, and these were, of course, CGI. Right. But that was some really good CGI overall, oh, yeah. and, and we loved it. One of the scenes we were really commenting on is when... The battle, the battle star first, you know, reappears from hyperspace right outside there, and they start blasting it with the guns. Mm-hmm. The guns look so real and so oh, authentic, yeah. and the fire so beautiful as they just bombarded the Galactica. It was just a really, really beautiful scene. That was a really nice fight scene. Right. Uh, so they they pulled out all the stops. I mean, uh, the, blew the budget. You know, they, they, they blew the budget and beyond with this one. No, it was it was it was it was pretty. Pretty, pretty cool, I mean, just from that end. Thing. And it was well orchestrated. I mean, you had, I mean, what you expect, but it, but, but it looked good. I think it, it worked to their expectations also. Vipers were doing their thing. Raptors were doing their thing. And then you had the ground troops inside that were there to rescue Hera. They were doing their thing, and it, it, it played well, really well. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and we, I think, both agreed that, the first hour of the show was really tightly written and, yes. and, and held together really well. And I think most of the issues, which we'll talk about later on, actually occur in the second hour of the show. Yeah, that's where... And we'll get to that yeah, then, but okay. we'll, we'll talk more about it. What are some other things uh, that you liked? Um, I liked also how they weave together the whole opera house. Um, oh, yeah, that was beautiful. We saw that in season one or two. I don't recall which. Yeah, but I think it was season two because Hera had to be in the picture. That's true. But uh, listening to Ron D. Moore's podcast, it was, he wasn't sure originally how he was going to tie that together. Just, oh, the opera house sounds good for this, this dream sequence. Let's use it. And uh, um, But the way they played it off was just you would see – and it, they, it looks like they used some stock footage from what they did before. Uh, but just you see them all walking in the ship, but they're also walking towards the inside of the opera house and until they get to their final destination, which is the CIC. You see the uh, final five Cylons up on that balcony with, you know, and then you also see them more in their ethereal state, I guess, in the opera house. Um, it, it, was just, uh, it was just done extremely well. 
I think that we both kind of agreed that that was one of our favorite sequences in the uh, actual finale here, just the way they incorporated past and present footage. Uh, it just worked really well, that whole dream sequence. We really liked that. Yeah, they weaved a lot of... That I mean, was awesome. It ruled. <laughs> it uh, did. But, um, but, yeah, it brought back familiar elements <clears throat> from, from the past series and then kind of just... You know, it all meant something at the end. And I think that was one of the things I liked about the finale, is it did bring the series full circle in some ways. I mean, I wasn't crazy about all the flashbacks, but what the fla- some of the, what the flashbacks did do for me was establish a pre, you know, a pre-Caprica, a pre-attacked Caprica, where they're kind of getting ready to go and celebrate the decommissioning of the Battlestar Galactica before right. the silence attack. Um, and they even had a little token there by showing us the museum there before they actually go, uh, before, before they actually go, listen to me, before they actually went and attacked that uh, Cylon yeah. mothership. We, that, I, the, other, the other launch pod was renovated as a museum, and we haven't seen that since uh, the miniseries. Yeah, the, what episode, the very beginning you know, right. of it. And it's... Uh, so it was a bit odd to see that because I was like, um, why is that still there? Because I hadn't seen it for all four seasons. But it was kind of a nice throwback at the same time. Right, right. And, and with some of the flashbacks I thought were a little long. Uh, the one I think I liked the best was between Baltor and Six and uh, with his father. Um, oh, that was his father's awesome. His father was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it was. But just showing, well, just we got to know Baltar a little better. And uh, we'll, we'll see that at the end. And then we see, you know. Even though Ball talk, you know, there he has some serious major character flaws. Right, as a person. absolutely. Um, but there is there is some decency in there. That I think we see at the end. So they ha- they help to establish that. And um, uh, I thought the other flashbacks, although they, they helped, what their lives were like before the before the war. I mean, they had right. a whole life before that. And right. um, although Boomer's uh, flashback just helped establish the fact that she was. Bringing Hera back is kind of a repayment of a debt to Adama for allowing her to stay on, right? Yeah, exactly. And yeah. Uh, we thought that was kind of nice. And, they, it, and you said that Rondi Moore actually mentioned there's more footage of that that we didn't see. Yeah, because it would have just it would have made a very long show if they would have added it. But would you have cared? No, I would have no, watched no, it. <laughs> no, no, I'd have been there, but it was like two hour and ten minutes, eleven minutes long, and so that was pretty. Uh, Lengthy for a, a finale, and the, I think right. he kind of pushed the limits, anyways, with that. But so when the DVDs come out, we should, we'll be able to see that. We, we will be we will be in good hands, definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was something else I wanted to say about um, uh, Baltar. Oh, do you remember like two or three episodes ago? Episodes ago, uh, when Baltar approached uh, Leodama asking for something, and and the fact of. Lee kind of chastises him for never looking beyond himself. Yes, do you remember I, that? I do. And I think in this episode, for the first time, or maybe most more consistently than any other episode, you actually saw him look beyond himself. Right. Well, that, that's true because, I mean, here he is arguing to stop the conflict, and um, he's also trying to argue from a you know quasi-spiritual religious and that they're that the Cylons' lives and the humans' lives are intertwined, and they, we can stop this conflict um, if we want. It's it, that, it's it's it, it's in their hands to stop it, and he actually persuades um, Cavill to do it. I mean, they have to do some bargaining. Um, the final five have to give Cylons back the resurrection technology, but he, he actually persuades uh, Cavill to go to uh, accept his uh, point of view on things. Yeah, there is. He does end up becoming kind of a spiritual mentor in the end. Uh, right. Or something or other, which we'll talk a little bit about later on, about what we think they kind of in- insinuate that he is. But mm-hmm. but it's, um, <clears throat> yeah, it, it was a nice, it, it was, it certainly did not redeem him for all the atrocities he was responsible for in New Caprica. Right. But he did have that trial that kind of redeemed him, sort of. And he certainly, in this episode, in maybe whatever way they could, in the time they had allotted and left, was the most redemption that we're going to get for... For all that. I mean, in Baltar, I mean, for all his character flaws, he is not evil. He is just... He made a, a huge mistake... I mean, he was a patsy. He was just, you know, he 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 allowed himself to be oh, yeah. to be used, uh, but he he had a, you know, he had a huge ego, and um, because of those character flaws, he allowed himself to be manipulated to 
give the Cylons the information they needed to, um, you know, to destroy the colonies. I don't think he was ever really, you know, truly evil per se. I mean, he's he, he, morally ambiguous, maybe a better way to put it. Yeah, definitely, definitely amoral, maybe more than anything in that. Yeah. One of the things I did think about the flashbacks, and maybe one of the things that Roger D. Moore was trying to do with that was to set us up to go back to Caprica. Right. Because we have the new series coming out, mm-hmm. not in the fall, next spring. Right. The new, the new series series that they kind of been promoting, which we're going to talk about the commercial there in a little bit. Oh, yeah. But uh, they've been promoting this new series, and all these flashbacks are taking place in, new Ca- uh, in Caprica. Not New Caprica, but Caprica, but Caprica, right? Right, exactly. So it's kind of a nice tie-in maybe to prep us a little bit. I'm not sure that was their intention, but it, it does a little bit, doesn't it? it, it oh, yeah, it, it does. I mean, we haven't been on Caprica in a long time. Yeah. And we see Except some, in flashback. Yes, and so yeah, these beautiful scenes of the city and uh, where they were and everything. And um, and so, yeah, I, I definitely see it as, a, as kind of a segue into uh, the, the new TV series, yeah. which I, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to. Okay, well, let's talk about the promo for the new series. When, when I first <laughs> started watching the promo, i I got to admit, I'm not real interested in it at this point because I'm looking at it being uh, kind of this almost soap opera-ish kind of AI, you know, mm-hmm. Steven Spielberg's AI kind right. of cross thing. And it doesn't really excite me that much. But there was one thing that excited me. We, and you pointed this out. I didn't see it the first time. Oh, I missed it the first time. I found it on the web. Uh, Go ahead. Oh, okay. There is a uh, original series Cylon in the background. Yeah, and this is supposed to be pre that, right? Pre pre the Cylons that we yes. know. But there is an original series, which means that we are probably going to be seeing the creation of the original Cylons, the Centurions, right? Right, and maybe they'll deal with this. Maybe, maybe they'll eventually deal with, uh, if, if the series goes well, maybe get into the Cylon War. I don't know. but uh, oh, That would be awesome. I would love to see a series that does a Cylon War. Right. I'm hopeful of series because Ron D. Moore is, is the one that's going to be the lead producer and writer for that. So, yeah. um, yes, it does kind of look kind of soap opera-ish. Uh, I'm going to give it a chance because Battlestar Galactica was, was good. He was one of the lead writers, uh, producers on Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and I thought that was good. So, uh, you know. We'll follow him. Follow uh, yeah. him a little bit more. See what happens. Right. We'll at least give them, uh, you know. I'm going to give them a chance. Yep. We'll see. We'll see if they can deliver. And it's really difficult to tell from promos sometimes where the series is going to head and go. So, Right. Yeah, I don't know. But anyways, so if you get a chance, the next time you're watching that commercial, you see it in sci-fi, or if you go onto YouTube and watch it, be looking for the Cylon. Yes. The, the Cylon in the background. So nice little thing there. Oh, another thing I was thinking about. So there are 12 colonies, right? The 13th tribe that doesn't exist. But, so we have 12 colonies mm-hmm. of finding the promised land. Right. So very, uh, very biblical kind of illusion that we have here. Not that the show is in any way biblical, although there's obviously a huge spiritual element. Right. But we do have that, you know, the 12 tribes of Judah, you know. They're, 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 I don't know if they, you know, if, they, if, if, if the writers thought of that, but there, there is some, some sort of illusion to that, yeah. Yeah. Another thing I liked what they did, I think some some really good, funny dialogue from Cavill. Um, we we, we uh, I heard. I mean, uh, I think he had some funnier material. I mean, oh, as much yeah. as he could get comic relief in a serious episode like this, he had some funny stuff to say. Oh yeah, and there were some really good lines that come out of this entire thing. Mm-hmm. I think one of the other things that I liked, and we talked about this image, is here toward the end. Uh, uh, toward the end, as they are now going to remain on the new earth mm-hmm. for, for the rest of time. Right. You see the Galactica and all the other ships of the empire. And we'll talk about what we think about that, mm-hmm. uh, but we see them kind of galloping off into the sunset, right? Kind of this whole Western theme where you see the horses kind of disappearing into the sun. And it's mm-hmm. uh, kind of a nice image. If you're going to send a Galactica off I and, guess. and nice homage to the original score of the TV series. Oh, yeah. Because they're playing the original theme at that time. And right. You, and you see the Galactica and the other ships of the fleet, now, fly off in the sunset. now, for me, having never watched the original series, I didn't even pick up on that. But you would, because you were a diehard. I, I, yes, I was. And so uh, there, there, there were some homages to the original Battlestar in, in this uh, episode. Yeah. Final one. I am glad they did not blow up the Galactica. Although I am still sad they destroyed it. Although, you could argue, we didn't see the Galactica destroyed. That's what I'm thinking. You, you didn't see all you saw. Maybe they flew, you know, I'm hoping. Who knows? Maybe they flew past the sun and just kept on going. 
Um, are they on an orbit somewhere? Maybe they're on Mercury, or on the dark side of Mercury or something? I don't know. Right. I mean, uh, I mean, at the end, I mean, Ty said this, uh, you know, her back is broken. You know, we saw, you know, that the, as soon as the ship uh, jumped, um, you know, that, that was it for the ship. I mean, it didn't self-destruct or anything. Right. But it, you know, we saw the hull buckle and pieces of it fly off, and uh, it, Galactica was not looking too good after right. that. Right. Well, here, Rondi Moore, I have an idea. All right. What's the idea? This is, this is my idea. My idea is since since you flash back 125,000 years in the future, mm-hmm. and now we have this new Earth, is that as as the new Earth gains, you know, their space wings and all that, right? Have them discover the battle star, the derelict battle star somewhere. Okay. And have them. Uh, have them build a new race, maybe even go searching for the Centurions. Well, what's because uh, they're uh, out there yet? That's that they're out there, and um, I, I've been follow, I follow the other. Uh, there's some of the web forums I follow out there. Um, if anybody watches Star Trek Phase Two, they have a, a section devoted to other sci-fi, and somebody may postulate, well, okay, um, and this person was a fan of the original series. Well, the original series did happen because. In the timeline, the original series intercepted um, signals from some of the early space missions. So he's, you know, so it, the original series did happen. It just happened in the future, and this one happened many, you know, hundreds, one hundred fifty thousand years in the past. Yeah, so interesting. Uh, some people were were claiming, ah, eh, we don't like the fact that all of a sudden we find out we're one hundred twenty five thousand years in the past. And there were some there were some people that had a little bit of a problem with that. I was hearing, but. I can understand it, but because you're under the illusion this is a very futuristic society, Mm -hmm. and that the Earth that we're talking about is our Earth. But that's what that's what we're led to believe. But uh, yeah, um, yeah, that 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 didn't bother me too much. I don't know if we want to get into. Uh, We can because I think I've talked about most of the things. If I have anything else that I really liked, we can uh, we can talk about it. Sure, but. Uh, so let's move into some things that we maybe uh, weren't so crazy about. Yeah. Not, not so crazy here. Um, there were just some – I was hoping there there was some loose ends that need to be tied. Um, and, I, and I speak for lots of people who have seen this. Didn't mind that it was 150,000 years in the past and that they you know joined the humans that are on the planet. But what – And for that matter, I don't think we minded the ending where they kind of alluded that, oh, you know – the human race won't do this again, and then they show all the robots showing that we're headed that direction again. I thought that was kind of a fun twist. I, I did too. That was, and yeah. of course, the cameo. Oh yeah, the uh, Ron D. Moore's cameo uh, <laughs> right. at uh, National Geographic about. So that what, what, the, the 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 consequences is that um, Hera is the mitochondrial Eve. You know, right. Right. Uh, our supposedly distant ancestor. Yeah. So it was kind of uh, that was kind of cool. That yeah, was cool. I, I tell, I will admit, I was thrown at first by the angel Baltar and the angel Six, right? Because right? uh, originally, I saw them like, "Oh, look, there's Gaius and you know the Six. But then uh, I didn't pick up on the fact originally that this was actually the angels because they were dressed the same or whatever they were that they were seeing in their heads, right? That were kind of there. So I thought, but I did say initially that I wanted it to end with Adama. So, you know, flying over that hillside, it blacks out. Would have been a beautiful ending to it. And I still think that, although I I don't mind the other ending. Yeah, if if, if they would end it with Adama, you know, where you know him flying off, it would have been okay. But loose ends. Uh, I don't know how you feel about this, but the idea that they're going to just reject technology, they're going to send their ships off into the sun. And they're just going to uh, start over. Yeah, screw technology, right? right? After living with technology all our lives. Right. Now, let's try to picture this, Miles. So let's say all of a sudden you and I say, all right, let's stop pod- podcasting. Let's get rid of our computers, our cell phones, all our technology, our cars. And we are going to live with nothing but a few provisions that we have, some medicine maybe that we've kind of commandeered from whatever we've gotten. And let's go live out in the woods. Yeah, I No. Survival chances? Hmm. Now, now there is, I guess, civilization there that is surviving. And certainly they are going to have some tools and some knowledge that this pre-civilization that they introduced doesn't have. But that's a pretty big leap. Yeah. Basically what they're saying is we're just going to give them the better part of ourselves, our culture, our language, uh, maybe religion, who knows. But there's 38,000 people or so 
plus you know whatever plus the the Cylons and uh, yeah we're all going to just live like the Amish we're just going to uh, yeah or something you know. like that now I can understand you know are the spaceships you know we want to you know we haven't been on you know terra firma we want to be on the land and, and live on the land I can understand that uh, the weapons yeah they're tired of fighting tired of the war okay you know uh, beat the plow plowshare and you know and you know put away the sword okay but think simple things like um indoor plumbing uh, right toilet paper toilet paper i mean come on yes um, leaves work but it's it, it well no i wouldn't give it up no no well you know and, and here's the thing um i do understand why humans would reject the technology to a degree to a because degree. they've been stuck on these tin cans for about five years, four or five years since this happened, right. uh, except for a brief stint on New Caprica, which was hell because, you know, they were slaves, basically. the silence are uh, made, The yeah. silence are, you know, running everything. They are sick of being in these ships. I can understand not wanting to have anything to do with that. And it's been really the result of technology has been the result of many deaths. And I can understand a little bit the rejection. And I think the writers wanted us to kind of accept that. It was a plot device to... to you know why there would be why there would not be no high, highly evolved technological society on Earth, yeah, or why we wouldn't have found any in our archaeological digs, right? And um, you know, I can you know, I can suspend my disbelief. You know, them not leaving any trace of themselves. Uh, Under fifty thousand years in the past, anything they have physically will you know, none of it's going to probably survive. Um, that I don't know if you, on the History Channel or one of these other science channels, they showed if, if for some reason all humans were wiped out, dis- destroyed, dis- disappeared, what would happen to all man-made objects? You know, they would say, you know, well, o- over the centuries they would just you know decay and atrophy, and you know, in, in, a, in a few hundred years you couldn't even tell you know hum- human beings were ever on the earth. Yeah. So that that I could live with, but the fact that everybody, well, then, but then but then there's Hera. Who they find 125,000 years later. Right. And her skeletal remains look pretty well intact, which you would think that there would be other. I mean, unless somehow the composition of her being half Cylon, half human. Well, they, they supposedly have found bones of other, you know, fossilized bones of other supposed ancient man or ancient, you know, animals. Uh, so, you know, we would have found Cylon skeletons or. Yeah, I mean, come on. Yeah, they were metal, right? So they would be around. Mm-hmm. They would be around any any of the tin or metal possessions of uh, of the the survivors would be around. The thir- what the thirty eight thousand that are left would be right. around. I don't know. I, I agree. It's a bit difficult to kind of accept that. Yeah. That, so that that I have found very problematic. Uh, but what I found more problematic was um, Starbuck. Uh, I just did not buy. You know. Well, one, I wanted to know what she was. I mean, obviously, they, they, they hinted she was some kind of... They even said... Uh, Lee, the one Silent Lee had been said she was some kind of angel of light. But I wanted... I was assuming there was some third party out there helping, manipulating, whatever, guiding them to, to something. But, you know, when Starbuck comes back, she comes back in a brand spanking new Viper, like it's off the assembly line, and she thinks she's Starbuck. She's, you know, they do tests on her. She appears to be human. She has Starbuck's memory. So we're, you know, won't we think, okay, the first few episodes, that's Starbuck. She didn't die. Right. But then we find out, you know, later she finds her body and her, you know, what's left of her, a viper, and Starbuck did die. What is she? So I wanted, you know, Rondi Moore just wanted to say, let, let the fans, you know, figure out for themselves or let them come to their own conclusions. To me, that's just a cheap way of, I don't know. Not, Saying not, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I, you know, for me, I didn't, it didn't bother me. And I knew right before she disappeared, she was going to disappear. And I guess the real question becomes, I'm actually going to go, I'm actually Netflixing the, um, that's even a word, uh, the, the season four. So I'm going to go back and just rewatch that whole thing with her coming back. And it'll be interesting to see if they give any hints. Does she do anything differently that would indicate that she's something more than what she is? I don't know. Mm-hmm. So, but I, I, I know that some people had a problem with it. Yeah, I could care less. The, the fact that she was angel demon. I mean, they, they, they pre-established it 
these sorts of things were existing just by Baltar seeing his vision of the six and the six seeing the vision of Baltar. So, I mean, I don't know. Right. They, they obviously, there was, there was some kind of third party out there, God, gods, yeah. Lords of Cobalt, whatever, yeah. that were, you know, had a hand in some way with the, with the, with the humans in the Cylons. Yeah. And uh, I was listening to some podcasts today that they were trashing the spirituality of it. And I tell you what, I, one of the things I really appreciated about battle stars that they weren't afraid just to kind of address it and not make it i mean there were people that reacted negatively to it in these series but they kind of dealt you know spirituality is a huge part of many people even if it's not you know you know christian muslim or whatever it's, it's people part, are spiritual people it's what it's, it's part of being human that's yeah. one thing i appreciate about the show also was they're not afraid to talk about it <coughs> this is you know this is this you know this this is what we are and this is what yeah. it's important in our lives and I appreciate how Ron Moore sort of he addressed it. It's out there, but it wasn't over the top. No, no, it kind of fit in with the society. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you need to have if any society you're going to have a spiritual component to it. Right. But <laughs> yeah. All right. I want to talk about something that bothered me just a little bit, and this is a continue conti- um, a, uh, a hole in the theory. Why were Admiral Adama and Lee Adama not talking? Right. It seemed like that, if I remember correctly, uh, what what started their conflict from, from the miniseries was the death of, of uh, Zach, um, Lee's younger brother, the Elder Adamas. And that's what I thought as well. I thought, you know, this is kind of what, it was, what was going on there. Because I recall that in, in uh, Starbuck fessed up that she, she passed Zach in, in flying school when she shouldn't have, and it was her fault. That Zach died, um, and not not the not uh, Bill Adama's fault. At that, that was something that Lee Adama had, had held against his father was that, that Zach shouldn't have been out there flying. But and then, we later find out what it was Starbucks' fault, not yeah, Star- yeah, right. But but in this, in these flashback scenes, it was just that they didn't see eye to eye. You know, Lee didn't have the same kind of respect for the. The military, the tradition behind it that his father did, and you know Lee was, you know, this idealist, and so it was their worldviews that was causing them problems. Yeah, a little but, bit of made them kind of go at each other a little bit there. So that, there was a um, discontinuity between. Yeah, them. yeah, I wasn't real thrilled about that. Mm-hmm. Another uh, thing that I thought was a bit weird, we talked about this, was the guy that he chose to be admiral. When oh he, yeah, when they, and we talked briefly about this before the show, but. What was the guy's name again? I Yoshi. Uh, okay, Yoshi. Which you, I tell you, you know, we we see him because of the webisodes. Primarily, is where we get to really know him, or right. where maybe yeah. Gata really gets to know him. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> which we which well, that's all we need to say about that. Yeah. And uh, moving right along, move along. Right. Anyways, but well, I guess there was there wasn't that many many. Most of the military, it seemed, were crossed the line to say we're going to. Go on his last mission. Now you but, mentioned he was what from Pegasus. I seem to recall that I, I saw him on Pegasus, yeah. um, which he might have been. I forget. It's um, been a while since I watched that. I think on the um, the movie the um, oh, uh, Razor. I think I think that might have been one right, of his right. first appearance. Well, actually, I'm going to be getting that here in the next few days, so I'm okay. going to watch it again. I have to go watch it and see what it is. I did see Razor before, but it's kind of it's now tacked on as the beginning of season four. Mm-hmm. So, but I think I, he. From what Ron Moore said in his podcast, uh, Yoshi, he did not cross the line because, you know, there are some people that didn't cross the line, but Adama needed to entrust the fleet to somebody, and he was right. probably the last That made sense. Yeah, right. and he, he, he wasn't in the mutiny also, so. True. So. And that's, you know, so he had to trust people that weren't in the mutiny mm-hmm. and that had to cross the line. Right. Uh, that's, uh, and I can understand why they made him Admiral, although he kind of gives it back there at the end. So Admiral Adama is still the Admiral in the end, I guess, right. technically. Of a battleship that no longer exists, in theory, mm-hmm. in theory, although we're hoping differently. But there, there's one of the things I did not need to see in this series was Admiral Adama vomiting all over himself. Oh yeah, I was just I, okay. I understand they're celebrating. He is retirement, and he's having his retirement party in a strip club. Fine, if he wants to do that, great. More power to him. Uh, I think they used that scene, and while I wasn't thrilled with the whole strip club. Uh, scene, it did show A, that he was retiring, it did show the relationship he had with Sultai and and I thought that was I thought that that part of it was good mm-hmm. uh, but, oh, man they, I didn't need to see him yeah. vomit, and they showed it 
Yeah, they should. He 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 uh, he spewed all, all over, over himself. Yeah. Yes, um, he got he got pissed drunk, and uh, so Miles and I are eating pizza during the scene. And we're like, ugh, you know, yeah, we just want to hurl our pizza or something. But but they they really pushed. I mean, he he really <clears throat> he's a great actor, and he was not afraid to you know just let it go. I mean, I mean, no pun <laughs> literally, literally, let I mean, it come up. Yeah, I bet. But I mean, <clears throat> I'm just thinking of the time when he. Uh, when he finds out um, his best friend um, is a Cylon, and his son is trying to control him, and he's just losing it, and he's drooling all over himself, and his son's just like, "Wow!" Uh, he, I think season four really showed a much more emotional Adama. Right. I'm thinking of the scene where he's painting his room and just kind of breaking down because Galactica, or we're leaving Galactica, and he knows that it's the end for Galactica. You see a lot of emotional response from him, and it's just. It's, it's, it's awesome to see because he seems pretty collected throughout the other seasons. And it makes sense that in the end why he wants to be in a hill all by himself. Although that does bring up another problem I had. I, I had a problem with it too. He, the, the implication that he was never going to see his son again. Yeah, and, Starbuck kind of brings that up. You know, as, as Angel Starbuck, right? Right. You know, he brings up that, nope, that's the last time you're seeing him. And I'm thinking, really? Why? Well, uh, yeah, what father... No matter how you feel, is going to turn your back on your son and say, Psh, "That's it, I'm done with you." It seemed a little bit far fetched. Now, yeah. who knows? It could have been the way he was feeling at the moment, and maybe in theory, years after they find each other, I don't know how because there's no technology linking them together. But you know, maybe smoke signals or something. You know? Yeah. I, well, it just seemed whatever issues they've had in the past that you know it seemed they they had found some common ground again. Right. Um, they were, you know. And blood. There's, there's something to be said for blood. Like, you aren't going to cut off your own relative, especially when there's only 38,000 of you. Right. I mean, you still need that family connection. So yeah. that that was problematic, I thought. Yeah. Well, what other problems did you see? Those were the major ones, I think. You know, the, the, the idea that everybody would just give up technology. Also, it would have been nice to know, where did Angel 6 and Angel Baltar come from? And I didn't care what, you know, what religion so much they represented. It was just more I wanted to know. Were they representatives of the Cylon God or the Lords of Cobol or well, you know, and he, this is one of the questions that plagued <coughs> plagued me from the beginning of the show. Because, you know, the first angel, if you want to call her that, is six. We see her in Baltar's head, and at first we aren't sure what she is, who she is. We think maybe there's a chip implanted in or that's what she seems to imply. We find out in the end that that's not it, that she's been an angel all along to him, and that's something that's been pretty consistent. And we also see in the six earlier on the vision of Baltar. Right, as so, after she resurrects. Yeah. yeah, so they've established this. They don't establish, they seem to imply that it's spiritual. Mm-hmm. But, but like most of the spirituality in the show, it's pretty vague. Very Even, vague. You, you know the most about the Lords of Cobol. Right. But even that is kind of vague. I mean, if, if you have, yeah, if, if you know about the mythology of the ancient Greek, Greco-Roman gods, that's you know that was their religion, the, the, the humans' religion. Yeah. But uh, I would like to have known. It's just, it's you know, it's your not, curiosity, if nothing else. Exactly, and yeah. it, to me, it was a loose end. Yeah, I, I, I'm not panning this by any means. There was a lot to love about this last episode. I think absolutely. But there's just a few things that I thought could have been de- dealt with a little better. Yeah. Well, good. Anything else you want to say? Um, I almost forgot Skulls and Racetrack. I thought they had a very poetic end. They, they're, they're the ones that always... They, they, they seem to be the... I don't know. The screw-up pilots, but they always have the big finds. Um, right. they, they found New Caprica. Um, they found other things, too, but it's eluding to me. But they, 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 they're the ones that... I guess somebody gave them the coordinates, but they found the colony. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, uh, how they meet their end. Um, they're joking around. Um, they have their nukes hot, and an asteroid or a meteorite comes and hits the cockpit and kills both of them. And then later on, and the missiles armed at that point. The missiles are armed, and then later on, the, the uh, racetrack's arm gets jostled, and uh, uh, she hits. Well, her, her, her she's dead, of course, but she sets off the nukes, and which further helps the humans. Um, get out of that situation they were in. Yeah. That was another thing. I mean, um, typical, so someone said that was kind of convenient, but yeah, I liked it. I liked it. It was a way, poetic way f- for their story to end. Mm-hmm. But it looks like at the end that, okay, the Cylons and humans are going to make peace. 
They're going to get the resurrection technology. Tori won the final five. You He's know. killed Cassie in one of the earlier ones, right? Right, and it's like you know that that's not that sin has not been forgotten. Um, oh, uh, people hated that scene. They talked about it for a long time. There are a lot of people that glad or that were glad that Tori bit the dust here. But it just it was just this is you know you thinking okay it's it's only been the first hour and it seems like the wrap of things nicely neatly and uh, the Cylons and the humans are going to uh, you know come Make to peace. peace. There's a resolution here. Right, right. But oh no, everyone's happy. This is Battlestar Galactica. We can't have that. No, no. There's another hour to this show. And so uh, what happens? Um, Terrell, you know, finds out when they do that psychic link that uh, she ends up. She was the one that killed his wife. You know, he flips out and, and took care of that. Took care of that, and then Snap. Uh, all hell breaks out. So uh, yeah, it's. Uh... It, but I actually, you know, it again. You, you, you're thinking it's going to end well here. But it doesn't. It's typical Battlestar Galactica. Something has to happen. Yeah, and that was nice. The other thing that I like... Oh, and let's talk right after that scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of your favorite characters. Oh, um, uh, Colonel Ty. Well, not yet. Yeah, not Colonel Ty. I'm thinking of the other one, Cylon. Oh, uh, Cavill. Yeah, Cavill. Cavill commits suicide. Let's talk about that a little bit. Right. Um, well, um, and, and you were not thinking that would, that would have been something he would have did, but listening to Ron Moore's podcast... Originally, somehow, Colonel Ty was going to end up, he was either going to throw him off the balcony or something, but he was going to be the one to deal with Cavill. But Cavill, um, Dean Stockwell, uh, said, I don't think that's what Cavill would do. I think after he's seen everything's going to pot here, he would have just given up and you know and pulled the trigger on himself. But I th- yeah. but I love some of the lines that he had. Oh, he that. did have some good lines. The other, one more thing I want to say about the show. I love the way they used... Uh, all on the watchtower. They used line from it in this episode again. Right. We've got to get out of here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Adama says to Starbuck, and then Starbuck, you know, plays the whole theme, and of course brings them to New Earth. I, I really loved that tie tie in and the way they've been bringing that theme back again and again and again. I thought that was really nice. I, I did too. Um, you use a Jimi Hendrix song to have a yeah, or technically a, what a Bob Dylan song. Done oh. by Jimi Hendrix. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. So, so Bob Dylan wrote it originally, but Jimi Hendrix, I guess, made it famous. So. Right, right. But uh, it, it worked. It worked. I liked mm-hmm. it. So, great. Well, that's enough about Battlestar. Now, Rest you said... Peace. Go ahead. One thing you did say, you, thought, you said that Ron Moore might bring it back. I saw an <coughs> interview with him, and the way he said he's that the Battlestar Galactica series may be brought back sometime. Okay. That's the way. Nothing definite. Mm-hmm. Very cryptic. Okay. Reading between the lines. Who knows? So it may. may I'm not. I'm not saying that that's definite. I'm just saying that this is what I read, and we'll see. We may see something. We obviously are seeing the incarnations with the plan, and then obviously with Caprica, but not true Battlestar here. So that's. Okay. We'll see. Well, that, that's good. I mean, I think there, there may be a little bit of life left in this after all. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. All right, tonight for our trivia, uh, we are going to do some trivia that's right in line. Last time we did some Star Wars trivia, we are going to do some Battlestar Galactica trivia tonight. And with your trivia question of the night, da 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 da, is Miles. Go ahead. Okay, in the uh, miniseries, now you'll have to stop the DVD, but when you'll see some ships flying around in the uh, when they're in the city, and um, I think. It's when Laura Rosalind is in the hospital. But you can see some ships in the background, and two of those ships are not Battlestar Galactica ships. So you may know that there are other ships that uh, Ron, Ron Moore is paying uh, homage to. What two ships uh, are flying in the background, and uh, what TV series were they from? If you know the answer to that trivia question, we want to hear from you. There are two ways you can get that answer back to us. And don't forget, if you know how to speak like Guido, we want to hear from you. We said that at the top of the show. Anyways, you can call our listener line at 206-600-4824, or you can also email us at zogpod, Z-O-G-P-O-D, at gmail.com, and we would love to hear from other diners that are listening to the show, and we would love to hear your answers to this trivia question. Plus, any other feedback that you want to give us. Well, I believe that's it. We appreciate you listening to this show. It's been a long show again, and uh, we wish you the best. Till next time, good night and good luck. Right, and we are looking forward to our next show. Next week, probably. Right.